Hi everyone, we just wanted to pop in to provide a trigger warning for this week's episode. Our content will consist of themes covering eating disorders, body shaming, and body dysmorphia. With that out of the way, we're excited to have you all join in our second episode of Season 2. to our podcast. I'm Angela. And I'm Bree. And we're so excited to be back. The second episode of season two. For me and Bree, it's only been about a couple days since our first episode back. But for you guys, it's probably going to be a couple it's gonna be a week. Another week. A week. So it's just so funny because I'm getting all of the nostalgic feelings from last season or the beginning of the year, but it just feels good to be back. We're grinding. We're We're grinding. grinding. Yes. This is the second episode of Off the Clock Coffee. And I am season two. Season two of the clock. Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I look forward to Thursdays because they're basically my my therapy sessions, which I've, I've been neglecting. I, I, I know I need to reach out to like a real therapist. I just haven't done that. And off the clock coffee is my, my substitution. Yeah, my my low budget. <laughs> hey, that's not a bad thing. You know, you got to make do what you can. And I think it's just funny because for you guys, we me and Brie have been talking pretty much every day of this week, prepping for the podcast, but also having our side therapy slash venting conversations. So it for me, I feel very light today because I've already offloaded a lot. Um, I don't know if you feel that way, Brie, but Yes. I feel like this week was a really nice venting session. It definitely had its stressful moments, but this is the third night. In a, is this a third night in a row? No, third night this week that Angela and I have talked. Like it was like we filmed the podcast one day, and then a day later or a day and a half later, we were talking again. Then now we're recording again. But yeah. you know, sometimes you just need those types of friends that you can just hit up and be like, ah, I just need to like fucking fuck. <laughs> wow, that's a lot of cussing. <laughs> and, and I guess that's like a true. It's like evidence that we're actually friends. It's not just like we're work partners. <laughs> we're but not faking it. <laughs> we're not faking it. It's not an act. But I mean, if you don't know, for me at least, it's hard for me to talk to somebody every day. But Brie has always been that person that I can like, you know, go to and not feel like I'm bothering her. But also, I don't feel like like she's crossing any boundaries. Like I love my space. Wow. And I don't know if that even made sense, but yes. so I replaced Gilbert. I'm yeah, your, basically. I'm dating you now. <laughs> yeah, because Gilbert doesn't even talk to me anymore. <laughs> oh, that's so no, that's no, not a good... in a in a good way. Like we have. So if you guys don't know, uh, Gilbert and I moved to Hollywood, and we have a two bed room. You know, so I have one room, he has another room, and we're it's just us two and our dog. And the space between the two rooms is very, it's pretty distant. So I don't get to see him every second of the day like I used to uh, at our old place. So 
So I do have a lot of space, but I think because of it, I'm a little bit more needy and I want to talk more. So I lean on Brie <laughs> for that. <laughs> and yeah, we lean on each other because I Robin has like a meter and I, if once I like a, a battery and I know what when he when his battery is running out, I'm like, well, I'm going to go to Angela. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm going to go and drain Angela's battery because Robin's battery's out. <laughs> uh, that's so funny. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, I'm like um, Robin where we're both introverts. That's what it is. I, basically, what I'm trying to say is that I get my energy being alone. And lately, since I've been alone, I've been feeling more extroverted. And okay, yeah. Anyways, I think I've gone in. No, no, yeah. In all seriousness, don't don't drain anyone's batteries. We're not recommending that. Don't don't do that. (laughs) Know the boundaries. The boundaries. Respect people's boundaries. Don't drain their batteries. And Bree and I have had our share of learning each other's boundaries too. Yeah, about like three. We've known each other for three years now. So three years of learning. Three years. That is crazy. Ten years. Yeah, I mean with every relationship you have to understand like everyone's boundaries and it it comes with trial and error but mm-hmm. we've been successful so far i would say learning absolutely. those boundaries so yes absolutely perfect okay getting into the meat of this episode i felt compelled to talk and offload a lot of um what i hope a lot of other people can relate to and that is um going through a potential like a weight change during the pandemic and going through Mm. changes in your body. Um, This is something that uh, has been a very prevalent thing in my mental space and in my life. Mm. Well, it's, it's health. So it is the most important thing because that is the one thing you need. If you don't have that, you can't do anything else in life. So, Mm -hmm. um, and it's, now more than ever before, you know, this has been something I've had to really face. Um, I, I in my well, I'll make that sound dramatic, but it's not like I was dying or anything. Um, but, um, you know, as you all know, I have been involved in dancing and competitive dancing for a few years now. And that were that involved anywhere from 10 to 20 hours of dancing per week. So, you know, my body was doing a lot of cardio, a lot of high intensity training, um, a lot of endurance with like sets and just tons of movement several days a week for several hours. And um, my metabolism at that point was just running from the fact that or it was high just because I was pushing my body beyond what was probably its limits. And um, once the pandemic came in March of 2020, that is when everything abruptly stopped. And I'm sure everyone can understand what that feeling is like if you're in a sports, Mm -hmm. um, in like an extracurricular or a club or any type of program that you're routinely doing. And then all of a sudden you're now um, in like, you're now a potato and you can't move anywhere, Um, at least within the first few months because of the whole paranoia and stuff. There really wasn't much for us to do and the gyms were closed. And this was a part, 
this was the beginning of a time where I actually um, took for granted my metabolism and I didn't, I failed to, I guess, upkeep that. And, you know, this is something that I've had to tell myself over time that it's not something to be angry at myself about. Uh, This is just how my body is changing and Mm -hmm. it's just so inevitable. And I had to, it took me a long time to, to be nice to myself about it and not be so hard about like, oh, Brie, why did you let yourself go? Or why did you, you know, not try hard enough, um, you know, during their time when you have, you had so much time on your hands and now like, you know, you're here and, you know, all this really negative self-talk that came with just all the already stress and anxiety of the pandemic. And I really was left with picking up the pieces of, okay, how do I, you know, what is, what does my body need right now? And um, at that point, I would say it was almost like in my eyes, it was by the time I realized that, oh, you know, I want to get healthier. I had already, my body had gone through so much change because my metabolism slowed down. I wasn't, and because I wasn't active, um, naturally, like I lost a lot of muscle mass um, that I had gained from like doing all these workouts and all this dancing. I lost a lot of lean muscle mass, um, all of my muscle or my like stuff in my body turned into fat and my body was just like, um, just doing its thing. You know, it's doing its thing. Um, there's nothing wrong with gaining fat or weight in general. For me, I can, I can, I'm only speaking on my experience in my relationship with my body. Um, I can't speak for anyone else out there. Um, but th- mm-hmm. again, this is just kind of what I had to go through and what my feelings about it are. Um, but this was um, this, I think just my body changing this way was something that I had not expected and I just wasn't ready for and I didn't know how to deal with it and it made me realize how much I was relying on dance as my source of physical fitness and I didn't really have anything else once I had started I did sports when I was younger like in high school and middle school but once I found dance I completely dropped everything Mm -hmm. and had been dedicated my life to just all this dance stuff and then my body wasn't really um equipped I guess to to sustain itself after dance um, because I didn't really know what other sports or other activities made me happy. And, um, you know, at the time going to the gym was just, um, it did not fulfill me the same way dance was. Dance never felt like a workout. Yeah. And now going to the gym actually feels like a workout for me. And so um, a lot of my, my mental health was impacted because I was negative on myself mm-hmm. and um, over time I just realized I was so hard on myself and it was to the point where I had self-image issues, body confidence issues. I didn't even like taking pictures. Um, I stopped posting photos on my Instagram feed. Um, it was like really rare moments and I would catch myself being extremely picky about my photos. Um and stuff, and it was, I feel like I was in a place where I couldn't feel good in my own skin, and that's never a place anyone should be in. It's just not fun. Yeah. Um, and I am guilty of, of 
trying so many different workout methods. Um, I don't know. Oh, I remember like even Angela and I did Chloe Tink like a hot second. Not even um, a week because I couldn't. Not even. <laughs> <laughs> not even a week. Yeah, I mean, I and and I tried to do like uh, what's the thing called like t- like fat intermittent fasting. Yeah. Um, tried like a mix of going pescatarian. I even tried oh, a little bit did. of vegan. Wait, what? it was like literally such a short term thing. Wait, what, it was not what happened hmm? or I guess like what made you want to do that? Um, when I felt like I couldn't work out or for me, when I was subconsciously making excuses for myself, I thought, okay, as long as I can change my nutrition first, then, you know, my body will get back to where it is. And while, yes, part of that is true, nutrition is like a major part, um, I didn't really take the time to be patient with myself. I kept switching between different diets and different nutrition things weeks on end. Um, And any fitness trainer listening to this can already see how that just isn't sustainable um, and that isn't the right way to approach things. Um, But you know me, I just like to try and I get impatient and that's just how I ended up switching through so many things that just ultimately were not um, sustainable for me. And it ended up putting me in a vicious cycle of like, wow, I'm doing all these things. I'm trying all these things, but nothing's working. Uh, When in reality, I just didn't find the right thing that was right for my body. And I didn't give my body enough time. Um, There was no way I could see results with intermittent fasting in two weeks or even a month or even several months. And same with any other type of nutritional change or any type of workout. And I think that's me just, again, being under so much stress against myself. And yeah, it's been, yeah, it's been crazy. But yeah, I'm curious, um, Angela, if this, if like you've ever experienced something similar to this or like kind of how like the pandemic was for you, because I know dancing kind of had put a, you or dancing came to a stop for you as well. So I'm curious Mm -hmm. how like your journey has been too. Well, I've dealt with body issues my entire life because growing up, my parents, I guess my mom, Um, or my family in general, you know, there's these Asian Filipino little um, reputation, what would you call it? Like, my family would pick at my flaws, essentially, Mm. and they would out like, oh, you know, you have a pimple here, you have a, you know, you're too fat here, you know, you need to lose weight, you need to, you're not eating enough, you know? So it, it came from my family my family kind of like pushing these beauty standards on me when I was younger. And I carried that throughout my entire life. So essentially I started thinking that if I looked a certain way, I will be loved because Mm. if, if I was that standard, they wouldn't bring me down. So uh, to be honest, I still kind of hold on to it but I'm, I've gotten better. Um, when I was dancing, I was very, I, I was athletic, but I still was so, so self-conscious about the way that I look because I was also bullied about like my face. My, I have very uh, like big cheeks, I guess. Okay. 
I'm just going to be straight up. When I was in high school, there was this girl who didn't like me and she would call me like squirrel cheeks or whatever. She would make fun of like my fat face. Anyways, so ever since then, I was self-conscious about my face. It was just wrong for her to say, basically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I I held that and I still hold it to this day. Um, I I think what you have actually what really caught my eye about your story is that you mentioned your mom's or your family or relatives comments kind of like set the tone for like in your childhood how you like viewed yourself because that to me really resonated because immediately when you said that I thought about my mom when she says those things all the time Mm -hmm. and I feel like when we're younger we kind of just take it but we don't really think too much of it but we don't realize it actually has a direct impact into our like psyche like our our mental Mm -hmm, health as mm -hmm. we grow older um it's so subtle but it's there and i used to think like oh my mom says this stuff like it's a vietnamese culture it's an asian culture thing like it's really nothing take a i I try to take with a grain of salt but then in reality as i'm growing up i'm learning like my my mind did not take it with a grain of salt like Mm -hmm. it's haunting me back yeah, and I, I'm now realizing how much it haunts me because I can't really – this is my first time really tackling this. But, um, yeah, I, I – ever since then, I've always had body issues. And then when the pandemic hit, I I was struggling to stay healthy. Like, I tried to do all these workouts, but – Um, I think it was the food that I had a bad relationship with. So in a previous episode, I mentioned that I didn't eat because I was so afraid of like, you know, gaining weight or whatever, or I didn't feel like I, I deserve to eat kind of morbid. But now when the pandemic hit, I think I relied on food and I started to eat more to cope for some Mm. reason. And I did gain weight but i do see it in a more enhanced way than what it actually is um i think i gained weight in areas that i haven't experienced before and i remember going to a party and one of my friends actually coming up to me and he said this was actually two months ago and he said the same thing that the girl said to me in high school that I ended up gaining weight in my face. He like, would say that? Yeah. <laughs> I love him. And, you know, I I think he was drunk. But at the same time, it was really fucked up. And yeah. um, I was so self-conscious throughout the entire party. And I went up to Gilbert and I was like, did I gain weight? And now it's very unhealthy. Oh. But I go up to Gilbert every day, maybe twice a day. And I ask him if I'm fat. <laughs> Oh my god. Because those little things really affect a person. And yeah. Sometimes I'll say it jokingly, but most of the time I'm really I'm really serious. But and it sucks because like if you look at me, I'm not like I it doesn't look like I've gained weight, but to me, I just don't feel comfortable in my own body and mm-hmm. dance not being in my life anymore. I feel like I can't hide behind dance Mm because one, I can 
obviously stay active and I can distract myself, relieve all the stress, but also to, you know, I'm not losing the weight through doing that activity. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I'm still struggling every day, but you get better. <sighs> it's It's hard. Like that hits me deep because – like I, I I totally like understand how someone that has zero intentions maybe had zero intentions like of it causing harm. Like you just never know how like making certain comments about like someone's body, like you don't know how it can affect that person. Which is why even if I ever like meet someone or I'm like talking with a really close friend, like I I don't know. I feel like weight, like that topic is kind of off limits or it's almost as taboo or off limits as like po- like talking politics at a dinner table. Like you yeah. don't talk weight about someone. Yeah. Like you know, it's almost like that. Like I I would feel un- I never want to bring up politics at the table. I would not want to bring up weight at the table. Like I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just never like an appetizing or welcoming topic that anyone can ever benefit from. So yeah, yeah. and it sucks because I think me being my weight. People don't realize that someone like me could be struggling. There's girls who are even tinier than me who struggle just as much, if not even more, with the other side of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, weight gain, weight loss, weight whatever, that's off topic. Or, I mean, sorry, that's off limits as a topic to discuss. And we should never assume that someone's like, confident in themselves or they you just never Mm -hmm. touch that topic Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah it's yeah I mean I and that's it's I'm still thinking about how my parents and family like we're saying this now but man our family has no filter like it it really is so detrimental i want to share a story about like a few months ago it was like really recent um my i was i went to like a family event um locally here in california and um I got like family pictures were taken eventually got circulated to my mom in Virginia because you know, they were sending photos. Like my mom was getting photos sent from her sister and my mom sees a photo of me in the family picture. And then she makes the effort to text me and, and sends me this picture and is like, Oh my gosh, you got so fat. I don't even what? recognize you. Like, oh, no. Like, yeah, she straight up, she straight up said that. Oh, we'll probably put a trigger warning at the beginning of all this. But anyways, um, yeah, she said all that. And, and I, I got that message while I was out having a good time. I think I was like with company or something. I don't know where it was. Either way, I saw the message and I, I just didn't respond. Like I wanted to ignore it. And, and I did, but, but it gets worse. The audacity that my mom had is that she called me because I didn't respond to her. I waited too long. So she called me and she said, Hey, Liz, all in Vietnamese, but she's just saying like, Hey, like, uh, I noticed you didn't respond to my texts. Like, did you see my texts? And at that point, I was so freaking mad. This was not even like an hour from when she texted me. Mm. I was, I haven't been so mad at my mom in a long time. Like I actually didn't, after that phone call, I didn't talk to her for like two weeks because I really needed to calm down. But essentially she called me 
And, and I said, did you, and I asked her, I'm like, did you really just call me to make sure that I saw your comment about my body? Like you really checked, you really wanted me wow, to, you wanted you. to make sure. Mm -hmm. And she, she, the thing is, is that she doesn't even see what I'm trying to get at. Like, she's just like, well, yeah, like you didn't, you didn't get my text. So, and I, I was concerned about you. Like, I want to make sure you're oh, okay. No. And you, it just goes to show, like, you can tell how out of loop she is with like she or she is just past like it just went over her head right mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. she literally thinks that you know i'm doing the right thing by checking up on my daughter because she got so so like the the fat were f word i don't know if people can, if i should be saying it that much but like because she gained so much weight i should be calling her to make sure her health is okay and she didn't respond to me the last 45 minutes so i need to make sure she's still okay yeah. like damn that's so dramatic yeah. like you think my weight gain is so that bad that you thought maybe i was in cardiac arrest from the last time i texted <laughs> oh you my God. from my arteries like that's actually what she was trying to get what? at because yeah, she was like I did not hear from you and yeah. I got worried. I'm like, what are you worried about? That my arteries clogged? Like, did I really look that bad? It was Sorry. like really Sorry. No, please laugh because <laughs> I my <laughs> issue my issue is this is that her talking about your body and my mom does the same thing too. Her talking about your your body is almost as equivalent to you not doing a chore. Like, that's how she treated it. And my mom does the same way or same thing. So I understand the frustration, but I'm so sorry that you have to go through yeah. that. It was, I mean, like, I want to laugh because I, I literally, like, I'm trying to just make light of this because I'm just, I, I was over, I'm over at this point. But that was just one of those things where I'm like, bro, I am never going to treat my kid this way. Yeah. Like, that is just so, and I told my mom that I, I knew I, one, I didn't have the mental capacity to even try to explain to her why I was hurt. Like she wouldn't have gotten it if I, if I tried. Yeah. So I just told her like, mom, like I can't, I understand why you're calling, but I literally just need, I can't talk to you right now. Like I'm with people and I have to go. And then she was like, Oh, okay. You're like, I don't so know why, nice. whatever. I can't. I just can't bitch at her. I feel so disrespectful. To no, <laughs> no, that's the difference with me. Like when my mom disrespects me, I am not afraid to disrespect, not disrespect her, but talk back to her and tell her that's fucked up. And mm. I will hang up on her because I, you don't, you don't fucking treat mm. someone like that. Mm -hmm. And with the Asian culture, it's almost accepted. Like you're supposed to accept that disrespect. I don't know if yeah. it's Asian culture or if it's just like elderly manners, but um, I am the first to say fuck that and I will not tolerate that. And that's mm -hmm. why me and my mom don't have the best. Like my mom and I are great right now, but we can go, we can be a little rocky at times because I'm not afraid to tell her and set her straight. Mm -hmm. I love that. And you know, that it definitely is a, a culture, a generational thing or like elderly thing, because um, now that I'm older, I feel like I can't bitch at my mom because she, I don't know, I just never, I've never like cussed at her, I think in my childhood. And so I, I just couldn't do it. But she did know that I was mad. And she didn't bother me for those two weeks. So the, eventually, I the, the the wrong thing about this is that just like every other 
family drama or very toxic stuff that happens in families like these is that it just gets swept under the rug. And that's exactly what happened. And I am guilty of that because I swept under the rug. I felt like there was just no point in in opening up and talk, having a conversation with my parents about this, because this is just so like deep rooted as a generational and cultural thing. And there's, I, maybe for me, I was like, this is a lost cause. I'm mad. Yes, she's in the wrong, but there's no point in sitting my mom down and being like, and, and, and this is obviously arguable because this is 2021 and I should just do that, but I didn't. And, and my thought process was just like this, like, I just don't have the mental capacity to try to convince her why that type of communication style is not it. Because man, if like that, if, if we knew that could fix everything, then, you know, that this, we wouldn't have had toxic Asian family drama up mm-hmm. until this day. But, but yeah, yeah, it's, I get it. And I think with my parents, at least, or my mom, she, she will pick at herself and make fun of herself, thinking that it's okay to do that to others, too. And that's the problem. Like, I love Mm. her, and she's great. But at the same time, the way that she thinks and the way she treats me and her her kids can sometimes be just over the line and yeah at some Mm -hmm. point for me at least like I had to just stop it before it got to a point where I would never talk to her again (laughs) because I will hold grudges like that I don't know that's just me but Mm -hmm. yeah it's really yeah this has been honestly I didn't even realize that how much of our parent, like our parents, our their parenting style on us really does have a direct impact into just almost every facet of like our life. And this isn't to say that like, you know, we can't deviate from that. Like we're adults now and like we're learning to, you know, resolve these internal traumas and these issues and life moves on, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just how we're growing up, but we don't have to recycle that and pass it on to our kids. Mm -hmm. And that's the blessings about being in this generation and being as progressive and, and like, I want to say American, but just as how we are. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. Yeah. I, to be honest, I'm so scared of having children because of that big responsibility like you could foster them and nurture them in the wrong ways and Mm. it would affect them their entire lives and not to say like that's like my whole purpose but the fact that that's that's a um that's an option is so scary so I'm still on the boat on whether or not I want kids but I for sure know that if I do end up having kids, I'm going to be always so I'm going to be anxious and overly cautious of the way that I treat them because of how I was treated and how it affected me. Right. That's but I can already tell from that alone. Well, first off, yes, that is so valid. I mean, having being a parent like that is really a, a huge responsibility but even from you just saying like i would ne- i want to take into account that i don't want to treat them the way i was treated that already is a huge improvement from our parents generation right the fact that like we're even taking that into account because i feel like our parents never really 
really thought about that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. they kind of did not recognize maybe their own internal traumas and didn't realize that they were projecting it onto us as their kids. We are able to, or not able, but we we're doing that now. We're just so much more mindful. And I can tell like, yeah, I think this generation of parenting is probably going to be a bit more intentional and mindful than Mm -hmm. the last. I heard or I read somewhere. I don't know if this is true. So please check, fact check me. Um, I heard that whenever someone has a kid, it like the traumas that you've experienced or the mother experiences can be passed down to the child unintentionally. Like the things that the mother has gone through, the the kid almost has like a secondhand um, experience with it, even if it was like prior to the pregnancy. I don't know if that's oh. true, but even that alone scares the shit out of me because I've gone through shit and I have all this, you know, all these mental illnesses, whatever you want to call it. And I don't want to be responsible mm. for that, you know? That is so interesting. I do wonder if that is true. And obviously, listeners, like, feel free to do this research. Um, <clears throat> yes, please fact know. check me. Yeah. <laughs> please. But yeah, like that that would be scary. Um, I would, I feel like, it, you know, it could be partly true. But also, I don't really know how much of that is actually like, I, you know, obviously, I want to figure out, you know, science, is this make sense? Is that logic? Can that be possible yeah. and stuff? That would be really interesting. And mental health is still an ongoing study. Like, we don't know everything about mental health. So I, I don't know if there's a lot of studies on it. But I don't know. Anyways, mm-hmm. <laughs> moving on. Bring, we totally, oops, sorry. we totally tangent off. But I feel like it was all for the right reasons, because there was just so much that I personally just just discovered and opened my eyes from this conversation and how this all just ties back into body image and how I I, I'm right now for me like I am there there's a positive ending to this story of how you know I went through a lot of um, body image issues in the beginning of the pandemic it is now 2021 almost 2022 oh gosh I am, yeah, and and I'm happy to say that I finally was able to pull myself out of that vicious cycle of beating myself down and setting unrealistic expectations for my body and trying all these unsustainable health fads, um, fitness fads. I started in May weightlifting again. I haven't weightlifted since college, um, and I've been the most consistent I've been um, in a long time, like since I stopped dancing and that took a lot of trial and error. And I'm till this day, like I'm not perfect all the time because, or my schedule isn't perfect all the time. I still have days where I would skip the gym or I even week, a week, I could go like a week long and I'm like, Oh, I didn't do it this week and things like that. But slowly, um, you know, I had to find habits for myself that worked. And then I'm also slowly trying to take like one dance class every other week um just to ease my body back into movement again mm-hmm. and go for you and i want to just thank you um and i want to use this opportunity to also share kind of how i ended up getting to this point and through all the trial and errors of learning about 
you know, how to love my body again mm -hmm. and to understand what my body can and can't do. Um, I started reaching out to different resources of friends and professionals that knew what they were talking about in the fitness world and um, introduced, kind of almost helped me reintroduce myself to movement again. And one of those resources that actually helped kickstart um, the majority of this is when I had done remote training with um, Movementality. And Movementality is actually our good friends, uh, both Angela and I, like our good friend's business, his name is Julian, um, at Julian Talents. And he, uh, he, his remote program for me was, I believe, one to two months long. Um, and this was at the time where everything was kind of transitioning remote. Yes. And remote fitness, I think, was also relatively new. And um, I feel like Julian was able to take it. Like he took the time to learn about my body and where I was in my fitness process, what my my level was and um, create a workout that was was catered to me. And um, oh, yeah. Were you going to say something? No. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I worked with Julian to create this program for myself because at the time we were deep into the whole pandemic and I was starting to get scared and scared for my health and scared that because I wasn't moving I needed to start before I freaking just go I turn into a potato like a real potato mm -hmm. um <laughs> like my body stops stops functioning and so I reached out to Julian and he created this plan that was great for my lifestyle, not so like strenuous because, you know, obviously when you get into another habit or another routine lifestyle change, you have to ease into it. So he made sure that he did the assessment and he tried to understand my body as well. Um, and he created this plan for me to do and he would check on me throughout the the time that I was with him to make sure that I was actually going towards my goals and I also trained with Kenny who works with movement mentality too mm -hmm. and he did in-person and remote training with me as well for for quite a while and they they really worked with me on my injuries, my knee injuries, and strengthening those muscles. And I think one of the great, the best things about Movementality on top of that is that their they their services cater to dancers literally. They're literally they, literally <laughs> they, <laughs> they train dancers, y'all. Like and even and retired dancers, which is what Angel and I were. <laughs> we're the market. The yeah, we're the target market. Target market. Actually, no. Our their target market is way cooler than ours. They're probably like <laughs> super athletic, like training. We're just like for we're the grandmas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but see, that's the thing. So their program is um, they cater uh, to dancers. They do strength training. Their Julian is a dancer himself. Kenny is a dancer himself. All their trainers under Movementality are dancers. Karang. So they, yeah, Karong, they deeply understand the mechanics required to be a dancer. So if you are looking for some type of 
support or movement or a way to strengthen your dancing um, and be a stronger dancer move mentality offers that and what they one of their main i guess goals and vision is to bring strength training to dancers and to what they would call the everyday athlete and the everyday athlete is someone that handles life's crazy challenges. That's you. That's you as a dancer. That's you as a retired dancer, even a beginner dancer. Or You're not a dancer. Or not a dancer at all. Life comes with so many challenges. And if you're constantly trying to adapt to that and you're constantly trying to figure out, you know, how can my, how can I make sure I'm getting through all these life goals physically? How can I make sure my body is there that you are an everyday athlete and you are exactly how, what move mentality would support. And I feel like move mentality in general there, they can really relate to us. They've understand and have been in a position where they've been through a pandemic too. Like everyone has been through a pandemic. And so they understand that there's so much that is changing rapidly, not just in society, but your body is changing so rapidly too. You know, your dance routine has probably changed your level of activeness. And they understand even when Angela was saying like, you know, Angela, you have a knee injury. Like they understand that you know, what comes with trying to get active again, or adjusting to so many life changes that you could probably be probably be prone to injury. And they take that into account when they're crafting their program for you. So yeah, when you're if you're a nine to five worker, or whether you're an entrepreneur or competitive sports athlete, or if you're a parent, um, or just someone that wants to feel healthy again, um, turn to move mentality, they per they personally made a positive impact in mine and Angela's life. Um, and yeah, you're just going to be set up for success. And even if you end up not pursuing like a specific program with them, like even just having like a consultation or like a thought partner to have them kind of figure out, you know, what could be best for you, it, mm -hmm. they could still help you put you in the right direction and give you other resources or refer you to other resources, fitness resources in the community. Yeah, I think one thing I will add is that when, whenever I talk to Julian, his, his goal is to get you to your goal. If you know, if money is tight if you know you can't commit right now go ahead and just follow them on instagram or wherever at move mentality i believe mm -hmm. and they provide a lot of content that may be useful to you a lot of resources so that's another option for you as well that's true they do their social media has um small like resources about certain workouts that might benefit you if you're a certain type of athlete if you're doing whether you're a dancer or if you're doing another sport if you're a basketball player or things like that like they're pretty versatile in the content and i feel like that's something anyone could benefit from they even share sometimes they share content if you're going you have like an injury you're dealing with or mm -hmm. you want to do something at a more moderate level mm -hmm. um their social media has all of that too yeah that essentially brings us to the end of this episode um yeah angela how do you feel no i, I feel, feel pretty good. good i feel good i was just really <laughs> surprised that we were i was able to bring that out like the things that I've been holding in that I didn't know that I was holding in. So I feel great. Another, 
another therapy session <laughs> this week. Yeah, honestly, this was so nice. And thank you to our listeners for, again, just tuning into this episode. We're so grateful mm-hmm. for all of you. Yeah, go ahead and follow us on Off The Clock Coffee and on Instagram. Email us at Off The Clock Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Gmail. Gmail. I don't even know about if anyone contacts us through the okay. Gmail, but no it's there. It's there for you. But if you have <laughs> anything at all, if you want to talk to us, feel free to DM us. We're pretty active on there. And yeah, I think that closes everything. All right. See you all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.